Good morning to everyone and greetings in Christ's name. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. I'll be reading verses 6 through 10. <clears throat> kind of taking my message out of these, um, these verses this morning and didn't really know what title to give the message. Uh, I guess the one theme that I see there is there's some truths that are, that are brought out in here, but one of them is working together or, and also discipleship. <clears throat> so maybe that's one of, the, one of the things that I would like to bring out this morning is the whole working together and who's important and who's in charge. I'm going to start reading in verse 6 of Galatians 6. It says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now in verse 6, the word communicate um, the definition of that is to have a share with. It doesn't mean to necessarily just verbally communicate with each other. Um, the way we might understand that is, is if I would share or have a share of or fellowship with. So as a person is teaching, we are also supposed to share back with that person. Now, if I was to do my job and everybody was to be like me, and that's one thing that most jobs have is you have a person that does the work, you have a person that brings the work in, um, you might have to pay bills, so you have to have somebody to pay the bills. And there's hardly any job that's out there that doesn't have a flow in and a flow out. So, and there are some people that are self-employed, but if you get in a bigger size business, you have a person that does this and a person does that, and you can't say, well, you're not that important, so I'm not gonna pay you, because we all have a job. And I believe in the church today, God is telling us that there are people that you might think have a lesser job, but it also is important. It says, let every man that is taught in the word share back with him that teaches you all good things. And that could be done in several different ways. One is, as you are taught, what do you do with what you're taught? You now share that with other people. And it's interesting to sit in a Sunday school class and you have people that listen or read a different book or maybe they listen to a podcast or something. And that's a time you get together and you share what you learned from outside. And that's one thing I see the beauty of a group of people is we share each other's ideas. So you share with each other. Most work projects that you're involved in do not go good if you have one person doing the work and however else many people standing around doing nothing. And, and all you get is frustration out of that. So as we look at working together um, as, as a group. Now, one of the things I, I thought of when I read this verse is that let him that is taught in the word, um, and then you go to the end of the verse, it says teach in all good things. And what I see here is a discipleship. So you have one person that knows teaching somebody that doesn't know. 
And that is basically helping that person in life. And the person that is taught at one time didn't know anything. So ever since creation, when people had knowledge, at least some knowledge, they pass that, out, they pass that on to the next generation. And that's what we've been involved in. You are actually part of the link in that whole communication. I want to read um, some verses in Titus. And, and I believe this is what, what God is telling us how, how we should do and how it actually works. I don't know how everybody is, but as a young person, uh, you get to a certain age and you know everything. You don't have to have anybody tell you what to do. And later on in life, you discover that you were wrong. But here in, in Titus chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And, it, and it's, I think it's pretty profound what God has shared with us here. It says, but speak thou things which become sound doctrine. And it's not just information. I think this is all scripture-based or, or spiritual. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. The aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not in false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient, in, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So as a young person, and it's not saying that young people cannot teach, that they don't have any wisdom, but it is saying that the older people, the older men and the older women should be grave. They should be temperate. If you have a hard question, who do you typically go to? You typically go to your peer or somebody older than you. Now, there are times today when if I can't figure something out, I go to somebody younger especially if it's something to do with sound equipment or, you know, that. Those are the people that know. And that's, that's not necessarily, I mean, that's a good thing. But yet there's something to do with life experience that young people don't have, that old, older people do have. They've walked down that path. They've experienced things. They've experienced the knockdowns, the, the rough things, and they know what it takes, and they, they've seen trends they've seen patterns they've seen this and they they have the answers so that is as the older people and older or older women and older men titus 2 is exhorting you to teach those that are younger to communicate with them and as you teach them or i should say if you are being taught by them respond back to them not just communicate with them but pass that on to the next generation and reward them accordingly. There is also a law of sowing and reaping. In verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 7, it says, Be not deceived. And God's saying, don't, let it, don't, don't be fooled. 
It says, God is not mocked. And I looked up the word mocked, and that means basically turn your nose up to or sneer. So if you give advice to somebody and they just laugh at you like, I don't believe you. And they just turn, your nose, they turn their nose up at you and they walk away. They sneer at you. But there's a law that says, um, for whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And that's, that's something that God knows. Because it says God is not mocked. He is not to be turned up at. You have to listen to him in reverence and take what he says to you. Because he does know a thing or two. In fact, he created the world. But yet some people today will ignore God. They will ignore his teachings. And sometimes we, come, we shake our heads and say, well, why didn't that person listen to the teachings that his parents gave him? How many of us have done things our own way and have failed? I have. Maybe our philosophy is, once you can't figure it out, then you read the directions. I try to put something together, doesn't work, get the directions out and you read it. Now it is better, I mean, and there is sometimes things where you have to, you have to dive into it, and I, I'll do it, I'll, I'll dive into it and try to figure it out. But I get in trouble sometimes because of that. Wouldn't it be better to get the directions out first and read them? It's kind of the same thing as if there's somebody older that is teaching you, don't do this or do this, listen to them. That is your instruction manual. Ultimately, the Bible is our instruction manual. Read the Bible and find out how to be instructed. But it says, be not deceived. And we were reading in Revelations, and we've been studying through Revelations, and one of the things that reoccurs through Revelations is deception. People doing what they want to do. And it is a, it is a major problem, not only in the world today, but in the future and in the past, people being deceived. Where does deception come from? And if I could say it very simply, it's not following the directions. Not listening to the older people in our lives. But God is saying here, I will not have my I will not have people turn their nose up at me or sneer at me. I will not be mocked. You cannot fool me. Because whatever you sow that you will reap. See, you can't sow to the flesh and expect to reap the Spirit. And that's in verse 8. He says, He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. I want to turn to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament, chapter 10. If you care to turn to that. Hosea chapter 10, I'm going to read verses 12 through 15. And the title in front of chapter 10 says the punishment of Israel. And as we know, Israel went through a lot of ups and downs. They went through a period of time when they would have a good leader, they would listen to him, and they would be successful. Another leader would come and let them do their wickedness, and God would punish them. We see that over and over in the Old Testament. In Hosea chapter 10 is one of those examples. Starting in verse 12, he says, this is the instruction to them, he says, Sow to yourself, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, 
Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. He's saying there that, you know, people, they say, well, I'm an Israelite. Why isn't God blessing me? Or you could say, I'm a Christian. Why isn't God blessing me? When we're sowing to the flesh and we expect to reap righteousness. And what do they say today that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? You know, it, and there's many examples we could have of people doing um, things that I would say are foolish and they get hurt. And they'll do the same thing again. I think they say evil Knievel broke about every bone in his body and he still would do crazy stuff, jump cars. He was a daredevil and he would do all kinds of things. And, and me personally, if I broke my leg one time doing a stunt, uh, that would be the last stunt I did. But he kept doing it over and over. I don't know if he thought that he could get by and not break any more bones, but he's broken a lot of bones in his life by doing stunts. So, and that's probably his personality. But for me, if I do something, I will, I would tend to say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make that jump again because I know it was painful when I landed and not a good thing. Here he's saying, sow to yourselves in righteousness and you will reap in mercy. It's the law that God has established. You don't plant an apple tree and expect to get pears unless you do grafting. That's just, that's just the law of nature. That's the law of God. You reap in mercy. Verse 13, he goes on to say what they actually did. He's telling them they need to sow in righteousness. But in verse 13, it says, you have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy ways. They didn't trust in God's ways. They trusted in, in their own ways. In the multitude of thy mighty men, therefore shall a tumult arise among thy people, and all thy fortresses shall be spoiled as Shalman spoiled Beth Ar Arbel in the day of battle. The mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. So shall Bethel do unto you because of your great wickedness. In a morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. So we know that God, if you read, read from Genesis to Revelations, there are many examples in the Bible of sowing and reaping, of consequences that have happened because of things they've done. <clears throat> in verse 8, he, he says that, He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. That word corruption is, one way we could use it is a destruction or decay or rottenness. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everything that you sow in the flesh will turn bad in your life like wickedness. But what it is saying is that if you work, uh, one of the ways we can sow to the flesh is maybe we want to, some of our goals is to maybe collect things those things will eventually decay and rot or be burned up. And at the end of life, when you die, you can't go to God and say, I have a collection of antiques, because that will all be destroyed. Now, it's not wrong to collect antiques, but you see what happens is, if, if that is your goal, it will mean nothing to you in the end. And I've heard stories of people, you know, they know they're gonna die. They're you name it, 90 years old, they're lying in bed, can't get out, 
and it's obvious that their health has declined to the point when they know that they're at, at the end within a month or two or three. And those people will say, if only I would have spent more time in the Word of God. If only I would have spent more time doing this instead of just working for myself and working basically trying to sow in the flesh because they had all these things and it does, it does nothing to them. Solomon speaks about that, about how in life he worked so hard to accumulate so many things and at the end it meant nothing to him. So if you sow in the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap things that will corrupt or will be destroyed that you can't take with you. Also means that if you sow to the flesh of sin, you will also reap death eternally if you don't ask for forgiveness for the sins that you committed. There is a punishment for the things that you, you sow. But the good news, he said, he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And those words, you really don't need the definition. They're easy to understand. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap of the Spirit. Very simple. And I like that because the things that we do for the church or things that we do for God will last forever. And I don't know how it is when you're going to go to heaven or people going to wear little stars on their robes of things they've done. And it doesn't even matter because that's not the point of being in heaven. It's not going to be a focal point. But I believe that when I know the Bible says that we should store for ourselves treasures in heaven. How those treasures will look like, I don't know. But it does say to store for yourselves treasures in heaven. The things you do for God, the things that you do in the spirit, will have a lot, will have... Um, a much more lasting effect. In other words, it's the things that, that rust cannot get to. It's the things that thieves can't steal. They will not be destroyed in the end. They will last forever. In verse 9, he says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, we don't really like that because we like to have things right away. You know, if you, um, maybe it's an investment that you have. You invested money into something, a business or a, some kind, and you like to see the return almost immediately. Now, farmers, when they put their seed in the ground, they have to wait all summer long in the fall to see their reward. But you get your reward. Here he says, let us not be wearying in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. What is that due season? For some people they don't see their reward in this life. And they just keep going, they just keep going. They keep, maybe they're a missionary somewhere that never gets much praise. He never gets much, much of a break, working and toiling, sweating, being discouraged. But I believe this verse tells, tells us that someday they will reap their reward. Why? Because they sowed in the Spirit. And the reaping that you, you receive in the Spirit is not necessarily instantaneous. It can, it can be many, many years. It could be after your life when you'll receive the reward. I want to read some in Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1. Matthew 24. And 
one of the one of the issues with where he says do not faint is stamina is starting something and not finishing it i'm good at that with books if i ever start a book i have a hard time finishing it unless it's a really interesting one is you know, they, they seem like to make the chapter, the first chapter really interesting, right? And then after that, it's kind of boring. And then so you skip the last part of it and find out what happened. Then you're done with the book. Um, so it's, it's, you can, it's easy to start something, but it's hard to finish it. And maybe it's a project. And that's probably why I've never gotten into restoring a vehicle. Um, it might be fun for the first hour, but after a while, you're like, I, I mean, why deal with all this rust? Why deal with all this? Just go buy a new car. And don't worry about all that. It, it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of, of going. Matthew 24, start reading in verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, what shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So the disciples had questions for Jesus, and they're sitting there on the Mount of Olives asking these questions. And Jesus said unto them, and we're going back into the warnings that are throughout scriptures. He said, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So keep going. The end is not here. For nation shall rise against nation, and, kingdoms against king, and kingdom against kingdoms. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then, the, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And here it is in the, in the verse 13, it says, But he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. You know, in our life, God puts us through testings. And I believe that if a person, if all he does is sow to the flesh, he's not strong enough in the spirit to go through these things. Now, we know of a lot of people that have died that never had to face this thing, face these things. But as Jesus is teaching the disciples, says, these are things that will come to pass in the future. But that's the instruction that he has is, Stay faithful to the end. Use your stamina. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And he tells them, he tells them that there shall be many that will be offended. They will give up. They will stop. And as a Christian, that should not be in our vocabulary. Quitting should not be in our vocabulary. We keep going and we keep going. And in verse 9 of Galatians 6, he says, Do not be weary in well-doing. Eventually, you will get your reward. And for those of us that like to get a reward pretty quick, at least within a year, we can't translate that into our spiritual life because a reward comes later. In verse 10, the last verse I have here, 
It says, as we therefore, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And it's a verse that I really don't think we need that much help on. I mean, somebody calls a work project, who shows up? A lot of people, if it suits them. And they pitch it and help. It's not, we don't really need that advice, do we? But yet, are there areas where I can improve on? Are there areas where you can improve on when we do good unto all men? Sometimes the easiest thing to do is to pick up a shovel or a broom or a hammer, whatever, and, and work together. That is sometimes the easiest thing to do. What about when it's down to maybe more on a personal level where we help each other out? Is that easy or is that hard? That can maybe be where it is tough, where we need encouragement. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. And one thing I find in this verse is you almost have to take the I out of the verse. So it's not about me. It's not about I. It's about each other. And as a group or as a church, we will be more successful if we look out for the needs of those around us. How many times have you said, I will help you after I finish my project? Or vice versa. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, but that is a question that I would have. I want to quick read um, several verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We read in verses 12 through 15. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. And in this example, he says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. And I really believe the only way that we can do that truly is by first having the love of God in our hearts. Because how can you truly love someone if you don't truly love God? You can fake it for a while, but not all the time. So put others first. Support those that are feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. It doesn't mean some men, but it says all men. Be patient towards those ones that are the hardest to love. Be patient to the ones that fly off the handle and say, you didn't do this right. We get that occasionally at work, where you have to be patient towards people. Not everybody's created equal. Not everybody's, I shouldn't say created equal. Not everybody has the same personality or temperament. There are differences of people. I'd like to finish with a quote by John Wesley. It says, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can.